Do you believe Jesus is with you in every moment? One of the best ways to instill this truth is by spending time in reflection and prayer. Dr. David Jeremiah makes this easy with his new 365-day devotional called Walking with Jesus. This exclusive book is available for a gift of any amount in support of Turning Point. And for a donation of $120 or more, you'll receive the devotional four-pack, perfect for gifting. Learn more when you visit davidjeremiah.ca. Of all the directives in Scripture that are easier said than done, perhaps the most challenging is, be anxious for nothing. Are you a chronic worrier? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah offers biblical wisdom to help you replace stress with serenity through the power of God's Word and prayer. Listen now as David introduces the conclusion of his message, God will give you peace. Well, you know, peace is um, talked about a lot internationally, and we talk about the United Nations looking for peace, which they've never been able to find. And we want peace in the world, but there can never be peace in the world until there's peace in your heart. Peace in the world is just the result of um, a lot of people having peace in their heart, and the lack of it is the result of a lot of distress and unrest in the hearts of people. Peace that the Bible talks about only comes through one person, the Prince of Peace himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're looking for peace and you don't know Jesus, you're never going to find it. You'll always have that unrest in your life because, you see, God created you with a place in your life that's only to be inhabited by the Lord Jesus himself. Some people call it the hole in your heart. And if you try to stuff other things in that hole and find peace, you will never find it. You will just find a different kind of unrest. But when you accept Jesus Christ, he comes to live within your heart. He begins to take over your life from the inside out, and you become a candidate for the peace of God. I hope you know it already, and if you don't, you will accept Christ as your Savior, perhaps even today. In just a moment, we'll take part two of God Will Give You Peace. Uh, But before we do that, I just need to keep reminding you that we're offering this month a book called Encouraging Words for a Discouraging World, and I only have a couple of days left to do that. Uh, That's right, after Wednesday, if this offer is off the table, it goes away, and we'll have something new for the month of February. So don't forget... This book is available to you for a gift of any size, and all you have to do is ask for the book when you send your gift. The book will be sent right to your home, and you will have it for the rest of your life to look at and read and and return to when trouble comes, to know what to do when you face the obstacles that are um, in front of every one of us. So uh, take advantage of this opportunity to make sure you get your book uh, during the month of January. Now, here is part two of God Will Give You Peace. John fourteen twenty seven says, Jesus is saying, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Jesus spoke these particular words on the verge of his violent execution. It was in the context of a stormy, difficult, unbelievable situation in his own life. Anyone can have peace when things are going well, when all is well at home, when physical health is at its zenith, when your financial problems are not too great, and when your children are halfway behaving. You can be at peace when everything's going well. And it is no credit to us when we have peace in those circumstances because the world has that kind of peace. But when we can have peace in the midst of difficult times, that is the testimony 
of the peace from God. And this peace is not just quiet tension. Some people think quiet tension is peace. It is just compressed anxiety. Too often we think that we are trusting when we're just controlling our panic. True peace is not only a calm exterior. True peace is a quiet heart. There's a wonderful moment that the Apostle John records in his gospel that brings together this truth about the peace we now have with God. Jesus is in a room making his first post-resurrection appearance to his gathered disciples. And then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for the fear of the Jews, Jesus stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. It is what he did next that perfectly illustrates what we have been talking about in these last few verses. For the next verse in John chapter 20 says this, And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. He was showing them his hands and his side, obviously for the purpose of identifying himself to them. But I believe he was also saying, These wounds are why I can say to you, Peace be with you. His death on the cross made it possible for him to offer us the peace we so desperately crave. But here's the best news of all. There's not only peace with God and the peace from God, but there's the peace of God. It's the best of all. We read about this in Philippians chapter 4. Here's what Paul wrote to the Philippian believers. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving... Let your request be made known to God. Now watch this. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. When the apostle wrote these words, he was a prisoner in Rome. In that cold and lightless dungeon, Paul relied on the peace of God to keep him going. He spoke of an inner calm, a serenity of soul, an inner peace born of faith and trust in God. And I ask myself, as I ask all of you today, do we enjoy that kind of peace? Are we able to have that inner calmness? Do we have that quiet assurance that is, well, it's saying to us all is well, even though the outward circumstances may be dictating chaos? Here's a good test. Can you sleep at night? Psalm 4.8 says, I will both lie down in peace and sleep for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. No matter what goes on during the day, no matter what problems are in your life, no matter what frustrations you are having at work, no matter what's happening in school or with the other members of your family, can you come at the end of the day and even during the middle of the day know that while everything is going crazy out there, there's that quiet center in your life that keeps you going in the right direction. The peace of God acts, according to Paul, as a sentinel or a soldier who walks back and forth in the front of the door of your heart to provide security. The picture here is that our hearts and our minds are always under assault. Guilt, worries, threats, confusions, uncertainties, they all threaten our peace. And Paul says that God wants to guard our hearts and minds, and he guards our hearts with his peace when we commit ourselves to him. I like that picture of my heart and God's soldier walking back and forth in front of the door to keep all the junk out that would come in and 
destroy my peace. He guards our hearts in a way that goes beyond what human understanding can fathom. Philippians 4.9 tells us something even better, that while we have the peace of God guarding us from the outside, we actually have the God of peace protecting us from the inside. Verse 9 says, and the God of peace will be with you. If there's anything better than the peace of God, it has to be the God of peace. (laughs) Give me a choice. Do you want the peace of God or do you want the God of peace? I'll take the latter. (laughs) And the Bible says that the peace of God is guarding the outside of your heart, but the God of peace is in your heart, keeping you calm in the midst of stress. As we look back at the wonder of God's peace, I want to encourage you to cultivate that peace in your life. And there are four main highways upon which the peace of God travels, the Spirit of God, the Son of God, the Word of God, and prayer. I want to say just a few words about each one of them. First of all, peace in the Spirit of God. Did you know that when Jesus was teaching his disciples and telling them that he was going to have to go back to heaven, he told them that it was a good thing he was going back to heaven because when he was going to go back to heaven, he was going to send the Holy Spirit down to take his place. You say, well, how could the Holy Spirit be better than the Son of God in one way? When Jesus Christ was on this earth, he confined himself to the limitations of his human body so that Jesus was where he was while he was on this earth, only where he could be personally. And as you know the story of the Bible, Jesus never left the land of Israel. But he said, when I go back to heaven, I'm going to send you my Holy Spirit, and he will not be so confined. The Holy Spirit will come to live within the heart of every single person who puts their trust in me. Therefore, through the Holy Spirit, I will be available to you wherever you go, whatever you do, whatever happens to you. The Bible teaches us that when we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within our hearts and becomes our perpetual, eternal Savior. John 16, Jesus finished his speech to his disciples about his going back to heaven and said, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. That's why the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. When you have the Holy Spirit in your heart, you have the possibility of peace in your life. And the Bible says that peace is the inevitable result of the Holy Spirit controlling your life. So how can I tell if I'm controlled by the Holy Spirit of God? By the quietness within me when there's turmoil around me. How do I know if the Holy Spirit's working that peace in my life when I have some moments when everything should be coming unglued and I just feel this little sense in my heart, I'm going to be okay. God is with me. I'm going to make it. That's what God says he will give to us through his Spirit. And then the peace of the Son of God. If you don't have Christ, you don't have any peace. But if you know Christ, you can have peace. When Jesus was preparing his disciples for his departure from them, he encouraged them with these words. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Just a few verses later, Jesus expounded on his earlier promise He said, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. Now, to be honest with you, he said, in the world you're going to have tribulation. But be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. Some of you remember and others of you have read about the dark days in England during World War II when the terrible blitz by the Germans upon that land was in full force. 
Bombs were raining down on the city all of the time. The people were afraid and their hearts were failing them with fear. And then a man whom they greatly respected would go to the microphone and he would begin to speak. And that one man's voice would ring out over the nation and the people would listen and they would take heart again and the morale would be strong for Winston Churchill would inspire them to new hope and new belief. Winston Churchill is one of my favorite characters of history and I have a bust of him in my office at home that I bought in England one time when I was there. But what Winston Churchill did for the people of England is what Jesus Christ does for us. He comes to us in the midst of the struggle when the battle is almost unbearable and the circumstances look impossible and he speaks peace to us. And he gives us the encouragement that we need for our morale to go up and then we can go back into the battle and be victorious. In his book, Deserted by God, author and pastor Sinclair Ferguson shares the following story. He says, the first physician to die of the AIDS virus in the United Kingdom was a young Christian. He had contracted AIDS while doing medical research in Zimbabwe. In the last days of his life, his power of communication failed, and he struggled with increasing difficulty to express his thoughts to his wife. On one occasion, she simply could not understand his message, and he wrote a notepad and just wrote the letter J. So she ran through her medical dictionary saying various words beginning with J. None was right. Then she said, Jesus. And that was the right word. Jesus was with them. That was all either of them needed to know, and that's always enough. Jesus speaks peace into our sorrows and strength into our weakness and courage into our fear. Henry Nouwen said, Keep your eyes on the Prince of Peace, the one who doesn't cling to his divine power, the one who refuses to turn stones into bread, jump from great heights and rule with great power, the one who touches the lame, the crippled, and the blind, the one who speaks words of forgiveness and encouragement. Keep your eyes on him who became poor with the poor, weak with the weak. He is the source of all peace. I love this question that is tucked away in the book of Job. I never realized this was there. I've read the book of Job a lot of times, but this one escaped me. But it's worth writing down. Job 34, 29. When he gives quietness, who then can make trouble? <laughs> Isn't that a great verse? If he, and this is obviously speaking of God, if he then brings quietness here, Who's going to make trouble? Here's my prayer for all of us, borrowed from the prayer Paul prayed for his friends in Thessalonica. Here's what he prayed. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. That's my prayer. Then there's peace in the word of God. Did you know that the psalmist gives us in his book the longest chapter in the Bible? How many verses are in Psalm 119? I'm sure some of you know. 176. And one of the interesting things about Psalm 119 and the 176 verses is almost all of these verses, with the possible exception of one or two, almost all of these verses have a synonym in the verse for the Bible. So if you read this, it's all about the Word of God. And then the synonyms are like statutes and commandments and all of that sort of thing. But here's the interesting thing. Just 11 verses from the end of that psalm, David writes this verse. Listen carefully. Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing shall cause them 
to stumble. Did you know that of the 27 New Testament books, 18 of those books begin with a greeting of peace? And did you notice it's always grace and peace, not peace and grace, because you can't have peace till you get grace. (laughs) Grace is always first. There's no exception. Grace and peace. The book of Philippians starts like this. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and the deacons, grace and peace from the Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father. In every instance, in every situation, peace is our promise from the Lord. Let us acquire the resolve of the psalmist when it comes to our response to the word of God. He wrote in Psalm 85, 8, I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people and to his saints. I will hear what God the Lord will have to say, because when I listen to him, he speaks peace. Did you know that the Bible is the key to your peace? That when you read the scriptures, God's peace jumps out at you. When I'm going through some times and I don't know what to do, I try to find a way to spend more time in the scripture. Not to prepare a sermon, but for my own help and encouragement. And once in a while, you guys, you should memorize a few verses from this book because they act as anti-terrorism agents in your life. So when bad stuff is happening and terror is going on, you know there's a verse someplace you can grab hold of and use it as a weapon against anxiety. And finally, there's peace and prayer. Listen to what Paul says to the Philippians in chapter 4. Be anxious for nothing. Listen to this. Anxious means worried. Did you know that the old King James of this verse says, be careful for nothing. I always thought that was kind of like a proof text for when you're a teenager. Be careful for nothing. And then I realized the word careful means anxiety. Be anxious for nothing, says the scripture. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. Now here's the way I sort that out in my mind. In essence, Paul says the Christian life is composed of three circles. First of all, there's the worry circle or the anxiety circle. And if you read the text, what belongs in that circle? Be anxious for what? Nothing. And then there's the prayer circle. And what should you pray about? What goes in the prayer circle? Everything. And then there's the thanksgiving circle. And what goes in that circle? Anything that God does for you, always be thankful. In the very act of being thankful for what God has done for you, he begins to dissipate the anxiety that's trying to hurt your heart. So in other words, we must be anxious for nothing, prayerful for everything, and thankful for anything. That's the kind of peace that never fails to produce that quiet center in your heart. Some years ago, I was given the opportunity to speak at the Moody Pastors Conference in Chicago. I spoke there on a Wednesday night, and I was supposed to come home the next day. There were a thousand pastors at this event, and what I most remember about my being there was not my message, but hearing those guys sing. Have you ever heard a thousand pastors sing? Oh my goodness, it's the most amazing thing you ever heard in your life. 
it kind of reminded me of the first day I went to chapel when I was a student at Dallas Seminary, and in this old stone chapel with walls that reverberated, I went in there for the first time, and the whole seminary of men stood up to sing, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. It was an amazing experience. After I went back to my room that night, I decided to catch an earlier flight home the next day that was to leave at 7 a.m. As I was getting ready for bed, I began to calculate how early I would have to get up in order to make that flight. On my time, which was two hours earlier, I asked for a 2.30 wake-up call. I made it to the airport in plenty of time, and I went to my gate only to discover that my flight was delayed for an hour which later became two hours. You guys know what that's all about. So since I was going to have a two-hour delay, and I belong to the Admiral's Club, which is an American Airlines thing for people who fly a lot, when I checked in, I asked the young lady at the desk if she knew what was going on with my flight. She said, there's a storm hovering over Chicago. Would you like to see it? I said, what do you mean? She said, well, come around here, and I'll show you this storm on my computer screen. So I went around the welcome desk, and there on the screen of her computer, I could see the storm. Here was Chicago, and surrounding it was this red mass. That red mass literally swallowed Chicago up on the screen. And we were right in the center of the storm. The storm was over the top of Chicago, so no planes could land and no planes could take off. Everything was shut down. So I went back, sat down in my comfortable chair, and begin working on my computer. This particular Admiral's Club is a room surrounded by windows. And for the next few moments, I watched as the storm I had seen on the computer rolled into the city of Chicago. All of a sudden, I saw this ferocious storm, the rain beating against the glass windows. You could actually see the windows moving with the pressure of the wind and the rain. I had a moment of clarity right then, a moment of truth. I was surrounded by a storm. In fact, I was sitting at the very center of that storm. But I was sitting in a comfortable chair with a cup of coffee in my hands, working on my computer, and I was just as safe as anybody could be. I was sheltered in the midst of the storm. And I remembered this psalm. Hear my cry, O God, attend to my prayer. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. For you have been a shelter for me. Just as the Admiral's Club was the shelter in the midst of that physical storm, the Lord Jesus Christ has more than I can count sheltered me in the midst of personal storms. When I didn't know what was going to happen and the storm seemed almost unbearable down in the quiet place in my heart where no one can see but God himself, there was this quiet peace that was beyond my understanding and didn't seem rational because it wasn't. It was supra-rational. It was the peace of God which passes all understanding. And that's the peace God wants you and me to have. That's his gift to us. He has bequeathed it to us and made it a legacy of the cross. 
And if you will receive him, first of all, you can have peace with God. But after you become a Christian, you can know the peace that comes from God. And most of all, you can learn how to accept the peace of God and the God of peace who lives within your heart. And you will be better. And in this crazy world, which seems to be spinning out of control, you will be the only stable thing in your whole neighborhood. (laughs) And people will look at you and say, what's wrong with him? Isn't he reading the news? Isn't he hearing the story? Oh, yeah, we hear the story, but we're sheltered by the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what else? We know the bigger story. We see the story of what's happening right now, but we know the story of what God has planned for those who love him. And uh, we can rest and be assured in that story, as I'm sure you know if you're a Christian. Well, tomorrow we're going to talk about God is your anchor in times like these. Two days on that lesson, and uh, I hope you'll be with us as we uh, conclude our message tomorrow and again on Wednesday and uh, finish out this month talking about these wonderful truths that help us during discouraging times. Friends, I've had a lot of fun telling you about this new book. Uh, Books to me are just wonderful things because uh, they, they never go away. Uh, They end up in places you wouldn't believe. They become kind of a permanent record of God's truth. And somewhere down the road after I'm long gone and you're not here anymore either, someone will go into a used bookstore and they'll find a book called Encouraging Words for Discouraging World. And they'll pick it up and it'll be just what they need just for that day, even though it's weeks and months and years removed from its being written. This book is yours for the asking when you send a gift to Turning Point today. Our message today came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church and Dr. David Jeremiah, the senior pastor. Let us know how Turning Point is impacting you by writing to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, RPO, Sawasan, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or calling 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's new book, Encouraging Words for a Discouraging World. Ten Biblical Promises to Bring Comfort in Chaos. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also stream more than 1,200 of Dr. Jeremiah's messages on demand with our streaming service, Turning Point Plus, for a monthly gift of any amount. Visit turningpointplus.org for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue encouraging words for discouraging times on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Take the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey that will get them excited about the Word of God with the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible. Then continue the adventure with monthly audio adventures on airshipgenesis.com. Plus, download the Airship Genesis mobile game, where kids will travel back in time to the life of Jesus. Blast off with the young one in your life at airshipgenesis.com. In a world that often feels overwhelming and discouraging, discover encouraging words for a discouraging world. Ten Biblical Promises to Bring Comfort in Chaos, a new book by Dr. David Jeremiah. You'll discover how to face your circumstances with unwavering confidence and hope. Yours for a gift of any amount in support of Turning Point. And for a gift of $70 or more, Dr. Jeremiah will send you his comprehensive Encouraging Word set. Request these resources at davidjeremiah.ca. I read some good advice about child-rearing once that said, Never threaten a child, either punish him or forgive him. But you ask, didn't God threaten the Israelites in the Old Testament? No. 
God warned them so they would be aware of the consequences of their choices. Some people don't take God's warnings very seriously. Would God really judge people who reject His offer of salvation? Jesus seemed to think so. His words recorded in the Gospel of John are that the judgment of God will rest on all who reject God's gift of forgiveness and eternal life. It's not a threat, but it is a warning. This is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's gifts on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.